The following story is related more to the last week's parashim. Nonetheless, it's an important story and an important insight. This is a story about Shimon HaKoifer, Shimon the heretic. The encounter of Shimon HaKoifer and the Alter Rebbe. As we all know, that in the time of the Alter Rebbe, a little earlier and then later on, all the way till the time that Simach Tzedek, the Jewish communities of Europe faced a, a fierce challenge coming from the Enlightenment. The emancipation of Europe also spread amongst Jewish people that get the idea that being Jewish requires that we become a little bit more open to the world, more enlightened, study other secular subjects, and be less fanatically focused and confined to the Jewish value system. We need to allow the incorporation of other values from other cultures as well, become more open-minded. <clears throat> now, these early uh, uh, maskilim, um, they set out to convert everyone else too. They wanted everyone who is Jewish, including the most religious communities, to convert to their ideology. Now, <clears throat> at first, they did not suggest that anybody change anything in practice. Um, they just felt that Jews should become, they should change the way they think, be more accepting and more tolerant and maybe more reverent of other philosophies and of other um, academic subjects of education. And Jews should generally lose it up. They don't have to be so fanatically committed to the nuances of every word in halacha. And uh, so <clears throat> this was the challenge that began to develop in those days. <clears throat> and they set out on a campaign to uh, evangelize and to try to get the finest, most brilliant kids from the schools, from the Jewish, the Jewish day schools in Europe, from the very religious day schools, and find the best and the most brilliant kids and indoctrinate them with their, with their ideologies and eventually help them move to secular academic institutions like in Berlin, universities, so they can become great doctors, philosophers, and so on. And they did this diligently. They had agents that would go to every community and they would pose as teachers, as very um, talented teachers, successful, with great experience. And they would they looked very religious, with hats and beards and payas. So they looked apart and they acted like very religious, very pious, very strict with everything in Judaism. They, they looked the part that you can trust. But of course behind the black coat and behind the beard and the payas was an individual with ideas that were very destructive. Many of them eventually uh, completely disconnected from Jewish life, especially the children and grandchildren, like Moses Mendelssohn was a religious Jew at first, but his grandson converted to Christianity. So there was no um, uh, continuity in the family because this couldn't survive. Yes, it started first with an intangible 
and more closed uh, change and transformation of thought and ideas and the practice itself wasn't so much uh, transformed or changed but eventually it inevitably uh, penetrated the world of action and people began to practice less and less <clears throat> now the Hasidic community of Chabad was the most difficult to penetrate because Hasidim in generally were wary of people that were so obsessed with Hebrew grammar or so obsessed with the literary aspect of the Hebrew language. It smacked a little bit with a secular aspect of Jewish uh, wisdom and Jewish thought. Um, it was devoid of anything spiritual. It was more like an academic subject. And so people would stay away. They wouldn't allow them in. But in other communities, like in Vilna, they had a big effect. Even the Vilna Gon, who was a great man, and the Fidi writes with great respect, that he was so <clears throat> sincere and so unaware that there can be people who are so proficient in Tanakh and so proficient in Hebrew grammar and digduk, which of course at the Vilna Gaon was a sacred subject of study. For him, everything was sacred. And, uh, but he couldn't imagine that people would be actually have secular and corruptive agendas behind these academic studies. So they, the Vilna Gaon, his brother, Rabbi Yisachar, and the Vilna Gaon's son, Rabbi Avram, they were all great scholars and highly respected in the Vilna community, they actually took a liking to Shimon the Kaifer, Shimon the, the heretic. <clears throat> and they supported him, and they actually gave him access to all the schools, and they even allowed Shimon, they, they actually tasked him with the job of revising the educational system, the curriculum of the Chadorim in Vilna. Little did people know that he kept a watchful eye on many of the kids, especially those that exhibited uh, an, uh, exceptional brilliance during their studies. He, he would focus on them and forge a closer relationship with those kids, you know, exciting them with great ideas because these were intelligent kids. And slowly, slowly luring, luring them secretly into a world of secularism and when they grew up and they were old enough he would finance first of all he would persuade them to go to berlin to a secular institution <coughs> he would finance that trip he would convince the parents of those kids that he's actually sending them to yeshivas in slots in brisk famous yeshivas when in fact, he sent them to a secular institution and these kids lost complete contact with Yiddishkeit. They never came back home. <clears throat> eventually, eventually, many of the families realized that their kids are not coming home. Then they thought they were in yeshivas. And the truth came out. But this was much later. This Shimon HaKaifer was tasked by the headquarters of the Maskilim to go and penetrate the Chabad Hasidic community, who they felt was the most difficult to crack and to penetrate. 
and they task him with the with the mission of going to meet the the leader of the Chabad movement, the Alter Rebbe, and to convince him to give Shimon a letter of support that learning and studying grammar is important, especially that Alter Rebbe. Uh, <clears throat> exhibited great knowledge in Hebrew grammar, uh, outstanding knowledge, that highly impressed the Maskilim and Shimon HaKoyfer included, because Al-Tarebbe had just written his new Siddur, his new Nusach. Now, part of the Al-Tarebbe's modification of the Nusach, besides all the spiritual and mystical uh, bases and underly- underpinnings, which led the Al-Tarebbe to change a few things in the Nusach, he also corrected and fixed many of the linguistic aspects of the of the Hebrew language in the in the prayer book to to make them consistent with the principles of Hebrew grammar, like the the vowels. Al-Tarebbe made sure that the prayer book would be on, on the highest standard of grammar, and Shimon was very taken by it. So when he went to Liyoshne. He <clears throat> made an appointment to visit the Alter Rebbe, spend the Shabbos in first. He describes in his diary, he wrote a diary that he sent later to the headquarters of the Maskilim. <coughs> and in his diary, he describes what Shabbos was like by the Alter Rebbe. It's very interesting, his description, how the Tzemach was a little boy, and then would talk to him and learning, very interesting stuff. And then after Shabbos, he was given a a spot in line to go to Dalta Rebbe Yechidus. When he walked in Dalta Rebbe's room, <clears throat> he says he was gripped with fear, with terror, with panic, because Dalta Rebbe looked at him with his penetrating eyes and with his very deep, deep voice uttered just two words, Vos wills to, what do you want? He says he lost himself. He says it was something he doesn't know why. But he was overwhelmed with fear and, 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 and terror. He says he couldn't speak for a few moments. Finally, he pulled himself together and gathered his thoughts. <coughs> and he said to Dalta Rebbe, I am from Zamut. He was from Vilna, but he told Abi he was from Zamut. Perhaps because Vilna was famous for all the maskilim that went there. So he said, he comes from a shtetl called Zamut. And I'm a malamit, I'm a teacher and a cheder. And he says, I saw you siddur and I'm very taken with your incredible proficiency in digdok, in grammar. And I'm a great believer that we, that children should learn to appreciate the grammar, the Hebrew digdok. It's called digdok in Hebrew. And also they should appreciate the prose of the Hebrew language, the poetry, also the the, the linguistic, um, the, the the wisdom, the linguistic wisdom of the Hebrew language. That uh, and they should study Tanakh. <clears throat> and then again, he says that Alter Rebbe, I see that you are such a great scholar of the Hebrew grammar, judging by your sitter, and I have a lot of of my colleagues in the cheder, in the school system, that are opposed to my suggestions. <coughs> they don't care much for Hebrew grammar and the Hebrew language. So I would like you to write me a letter of support so I can show them that you support my endeavor.
Indeed, when a Jew prays, it's important that he pays attention to the grammatical nuances of the of the text. Especially when you say Shema, you have to say it precisely correct. And the Hebrew grammar is part of the Jewish tradition. <clears throat> but he says, to study grammar as a subject in school, or to study the Hebrew language as a subject, <clears throat> can be very dangerous. One has to be very careful. And he's, he, the Altarab explained to him. <coughs> he says, in the heavens, <clears throat> there are different chambers that uh, are devoted to different subjects in Judaism. One is there's one one of the chambers is devoted to grammar of the Hebrew language. Another chamber is devoted to the language, right? the, the linguistic wisdom of Jew, of the Hebrew language. Between these two chambers is another chamber. It's called the chamber of the Megale Ponim That means in simple language the chamber <coughs> which is devoted to those who distort the principles and the foundations of Jewish law and misinterpret it. They corrupt the halachic system of Judaism. It says when the neshama goes when a Jew goes to sleep at night, the neshama goes up to heaven. And if that person has a special interest in grammar or in Hebrew language, he goes and visits that chamber. But because next to it is the chamber of heresy, people that are distorting the foundations of Jewish law, it's very likely that somebody mistakenly would go into the wrong chamber and end up coming down back in the morning when he wakes up with the wrong ideas. So one has to be very careful. As well, the Rebbe said, now the Rebbe put down his head and thought for a long time with his eyes closed. And then... He raises a head and, and stared Shimon Akiva straight in the eyes and said to him, You told me you're a Malamit. How do you interpret the Pasuk from Pasha's told us where it says that after Yaakov Avinu left the tent of Yitzchak, he received the blessings. And as he walked out, Esav came in and said to his father, Father, I'm here. I got you the meat, the game that you wanted me to get for you. And it says immediately, Vayachad Yitzchak Charodegedela. Admaid. Yitzchak trembled, the grace trembling. He was gripped with fear and with a tremblance um, when he heard Esau speak. Now, Rashi says, <clears throat> What do you mean he was trembling? Why was he trembling? Well, we understand that Yitzchak was confused because he thought that just a few moments ago Esau was here and he blessed him already. Now there's a new person coming in and saying, I'm Esav. So it may have been a little bit, a little bit off-putting or confusing. But charod means like a trembling, somebody who's, in, who's terrified of something. So first Rashi says, well, yeah, he was a little bit confused. It doesn't mean literally he was... And then Rashi says, another interpretation from the Medrash, <coughs> that Yitzchak actually was trembling. Why? Because he saw the Gehenim coming into the tent together with Esau. Right behind Esau followed 
into his tent, the whole Gehenim. And that's why he was gripped with fear and with trembling. Says the which how do you interpret it for the kids? And he said, When I learned with the kids, I tell them the first Pshat of Rashi, a simple Pshat. You know, he was confused. The Rebbe said, the Alter Rebbe said to Shimon, Why don't you tell them the Medrish, the second interpretation of Rashi? So Shimon started saying, Well, I feel that it's a little bit overwhelming for kids to talk about the Gehenim coming in. These are like somewhat fantastical ideas that may be too much for the kids to handle, especially <clears throat> that for the kids, it would be, uh, besides it would be terrifying for them, uh, it would also be surprising. They want to understand how it's possible that the whole Gehenim comes into the tent of Yitzchak and not Yitzchak and not Esau didn't get hurt from the fire. We're talking about the Gehenim that was burning and raging for over 5,000 years. And billions and billions of Rishayim went through that Gehenim. That whole Gehenim comes into that tiny tent of Yitzchak. And not Yitzchak nor Esau were burned. And even their clothes didn't get torched. Kids would not be able to handle that. So that's why I'm not teaching that. <clears throat> Says the Alter Rebbe to him. And where do you think... Rashi gets it from, or the Midrash knows that from. How does the Midrash know that Yitzchak saw the Gehenna with him? So Shimon didn't answer. Then the Altarebbe put his head down and thought for five minutes again. His eyes were closed. And then the Altarebbe raised his eyes. And in Yechides, the Altarebbe always had two candles burning on his table, even during daytime. Shimon Akrefa writes this all in his diary. That he learned that Al Rebbe always had two lit candles on his table during Yechides, even in broad daylight. Also, he had a chumish and a zayir on the table, always in front of him whenever people came into his office to his study. <clears throat> Al Rebbe picked up one of the candles, shone it in the face of Shimon, and looked me straight in the eyes. He said to me like this. When Esau came into the tent of Yitzchak, he said, I'm Esau, your firstborn. He was lying because he sold the first birthright, the Bechayre, to Yaakov. Yitzchak understood and knew already then, by then, that Esau that, uh, Yit- that had sold his Bechayre to Yaakov. Here he is lying, he's saying, I'm Esau, your firstborn. And when somebody lies, the Gehenim is with him. And that's how Yitzchak knew that he had the Gehenim behind him. And then Al-Trebbe said to him to Shimon, and again he shone the, the, the candle in his face, and he said, when a Jew comes from Vilna, but he claims to be coming from Zamut, when a Jew claims he's a Malamut who teaches children Torah, when in fact he's poisoning Jewish minds, and he's sacrificing to the idol of enlightenment, then he has the Gehenim with him. And the Rebbe said to him, confess, how many Jewish kids have you destroyed already? 
How many Jewish kids have you managed to get away from the Jewish community and sacrifice them to the heretical channels of, of the Enlightenment? Shimon heard this and he realized he was exposed by the Alter Rebbe and he ran out of the room. He was afraid that they'll catch up here. The Alter Rebbe will tell people and they'll catch him and they'll do what they did to other uh, exposed maskilim. They would uh, lash them and give him a, a real tough time so they would never try to come again. So he wanted to run to his... Uh, a room where he stayed, he rented a room in an inn, <clears throat> but a chassid grabbed him by the arm, he said, oh, you went to Yechidus, come on, you gotta come to the Yechidus dance. There was a minig b'chassidim, and somebody was in Yechidus, there was a special place where all the people that went to Yechidus danced together with great simcha, for the privilege of being by the Alter Rebbe's room. So he, he wanted to get out and run as fast, but they wouldn't let him, they like dragged him to the dance, and he was forced to run around in circles with all the chassidim and dance, little did they know that he's trying to run away because he's Shimon HaKoyfer. Finally, he was able to slip away. He ran to his inn. He describes his all in his diary how at the early morning before dawn, he left town as quickly as he could. This is in brief the story of Shimon HaKoyfer and al Rebbe giving him a sheer, a lesson. In Vayechad Yitzchak how the Medrash knew that Yitzchak saw the Gehenim behind Esau.